Welcome to this episode of The Curious Mind. I'm your host, Sylvester. And I'm Mike. And today's episode, we feature uh, three members of our English faculty in the upper school, uh, Drew Mullen, department chair, uh, Kate Gay, and Emily Erke. Uh, they came on to talk about the English Roundtable, which is a distinct feature of the upper school English um, experience. Um, it's been around for what seems like forever. Um, <laughs> they've done some pretty phenomenal things and uh, kind of incorporates through discussion, inquiry and things like that. But Mike, um, this was your first time learning about the English Roundtable. As a lower school teacher, you never spent that much time in the in the upper school. What were your thoughts about the, the Roundtable um, experience? Well, I think it's great. And I touched on it sort of at the end of our conversation. I think there's so many life skills that play into learning how to participate, how to listen, how to engage in a conversation um, and things that are really timeless, regardless of mm -hmm. what, you know, the workforce or the real world looks like when these students are in it. These yep. are skills that they're going to need to have that. And then I think just the progression from ninth to 12th yes. um, yeah. and how, you know, everyone kind of comes in um, sort of like a deer in headlight in ninth, mm -hmm. in ninth grade. Without, Needing more encouragement and, and guidance. Yeah, and then just really how at the end it's so just hearing from the, the teachers that how the students are really leading and molding the conversation by the time they're seniors um, because they've had three, four years of experience with this. So it was interesting as someone that doesn't really have a lot of experience, mm -hmm. um, really a lot of knowledge about roundtable uh, discussions and, and things like that. Um, so I was really impressed with, with what they're doing down there. But what about you? What were your big takeaways? Well, I just remember my first experience with the roundtable as a first year teacher and I was teaching English or I was teaching history, I should say, and I got a chance to observe a couple English classrooms and I really wish I had had that type of experience in my high school days. I went to a Catholic all boy high school and it was rolls of seats mm -hmm. um, and you really didn't get into too much discussion. Like I think the, the experience at the roundtable itself um, it's pretty captivating. So uh, it was a great conversation. It was a lot of fun um, and we hope you like it. So in this episode, we welcome Drew Mullen, Kate Gay and Emily Erke, all members of our English department. How's everyone doing on this fine day? Just fine, thank you. Great, thanks. <laughs> So um, we've never had three guests on that episode before, so this is exciting, and we're excited to talk a lot about the roundtable experience. But um, before we um, do that, um, I'd like to kind of introduce you all to our listeners. So um, we'll start with you, uh, Drew. How long have you been in education, and how long have you been at university school? Uh, I've been in education for now. This is my 25th year, and uh, it's my, I believe I'm 12th year at USM. Okay. And Ms. Gay? Um, I've been working in education for 30 years, and this is my 27th year at university school. Okay. And Ms. Erke? We have a bunch of long timers here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't add it all up. Yeah. Um, this is my 24th year of teaching, and it's my 14th year at USM. And I've obviously worked with all of you um, through the upper school program and process like this. This is my 11th or 12th year, and a signature um, aspect of the upper school experience has been the round table um, a concept or experience. And I've had the opportunity in my early years to sit and observe some um, of the round table experience, but I'm excited to talk about this and um, kind of dive into some of the details of it. So, um, you know, what, uh, Drew, what was the inspiration 
for the concept of the round table um, in our English program? I'll, I'll probably start that answer and then maybe uh, Kate um, can continue that answer because Kate was here when we made the shift um, to the round tables. I, I will say that um, when I came in uh, 12 years ago, um, round tables were, were already established, but over the last five to six years, I think we've really worked hard to um, refine uh, what it means in the 21st century, uh, refine what it means um, when we think about innovation centers and maker spaces and project-based learning. Um, and I would say that over time, we've really uh, developed this pedagogy more so every year and have really worked hard to, to sort of pinpoint and reflect on what we do. But I'm gonna turn it over to Kate because she can better explain the, the shift in the movement, I think, uh, from sort of maybe more of a traditional, if you will, English classroom to, the, to what we have now. You wanna talk about that, Kate? Sure. When I first started here, um, it was a fairly traditional English classroom, still sort of a discussion-based class. But 21 years ago, a group of us went to Exeter Academy for a Harkness Method uh, workshop. Um, there were people from English and history who went that year. Um, and very quickly, the following school year, we had ad hoc round tables in classrooms. And um, Rosie Lyons was instrumental in um, then the following year building tables for us. Um, we did a lot of training at Exeter over the next few years. And we also did a lot of training with the Great Books Program at University of Chicago, their shared inquiry. Um, and I would say over the years then, um, we took the best aspects of those methods um, and learned how they apply to the students we have here at university school and what works for us. Okay. And Kate, just kind of a follow-up um, to that. So it's not the Harkness method. It's not shared nope. not Socratic seminar. Um, what makes the roundtable distinctive from those other um, pedagogy methods? I think the roundtable, while the teacher is really the facilitator at the table and our goal is that it is not a question and answer scenario. Um, still at USM, the teacher is um, a guide on the side, um, setting up a prompt, making sure students are heading in the right direction and really demanding that they stick to the method that they're um, performing at their best always at the table. Um, it takes a lot of training and I think maybe that's what makes Roundtable distinctive is our students need need training and they need the reminders, but then they become eventually really good at it. And along those same lines, Emily, maybe you could tell our listeners and me, as my background is really with young learners, um, you know, fourth grade and lower that may not be familiar with the round table method. If I am a ninth grader, I'm walking in, I see the big round table, what can I expect? Like what, what is the, the first thing that I'm expected to do next? Sorry about that. I was muted. It's funny, <laughs> right? <Yep. laughs> um, you should, they could expect loads and loads of fun and learning. They could also expect <laughs> that they're going to have um, training, to use a word that Kate used just a few minutes ago about teachers. But what we do in English One in large part is train the students in the roundtable experience. 
and how we ask different kinds of questions about literature, how we communicate with each other in a way that is civil, but also um, allows people to challenge each other. We really help kids develop the skills of supporting claims with textual evidence, direct references to the text. So when kids come in on day one of English One, in some ways, they're, they have a lot of learning in order to make it at the round table. But we hit the ground running and I can tell you just having come from a group of English One students that what are we, we're a month into school? Not even, we're just a few weeks into school and they are knocking my socks off already. They're making claims, they're finding evidence to support their claims, they're challenging each other. Obviously, we still have a long way to go because by the time they're seniors, they'll do that with much more finesse. Um, and in, in some ways, uh, they'll be talking about bigger ideas and tougher stuff. But really, already in English One, they're doing good work that they couldn't do on day one. And that's awesome to be a part of that. And so uh, as a follow-up to that, and, and this could be for you, Emily, but also uh, you, Drew, um, what is that growth that you see from a ninth grader who steps into, but ninth grade is already hard enough, but to step into a round table um, to 12th grade, what, what, what do you see um, in terms of growth uh, from that student from ninth to 12th grade? I, I can speak to that, but then I know both Drew and Kate can as well, because luckily we've taught it all. <laughs> English one, English two, English three, and we've all taught seniors. Um, this year I happen to be teaching English one and AP Lit to seniors. So today I've had the chance to be with both. And it's the same, but it's different in the way that they can all read and write in ninth grade, but they read and write differently by 12th grade. And that, um, that is true of the way they conduct themselves and the kind of work that they do in a roundtable classroom. It's equally true, you know, when we think about um, conversations and verbal exploration and argumentation. I would say a, a key difference is that with my ninth graders today, I'll just use today as an example, <laughs> with my ninth graders today, I would still say things like, are you feeling okay? Oh, you're feeling okay, great. Then please sit up <laughs> and don't have your head on the table, right? Or the desk <laughs> in, in this fall during the pandemic. I, I might still offer corrective comments like that to a ninth grader, or I might say, ooh, that was a good interpretive question you just posed. I'll label for them what they're doing. Whereas in 12th grade, I just can say the soliloquy at the end of act two in Hamlet, what did you notice? And they can, for the next 35 minutes, just begin to explore that soliloquy. And as a follow-up, when class is over, I have one of those seniors stay, stay after and say, Mrs. Erke, can I talk to you for a minute? Yeah, of course, what's up? And she said this, could we set up a meeting so that we can talk about my developing my skills in roundtable discussions? Because I feel like sometimes I offer a comment and then the discussion stops. 
And I know that this year, and especially next year, I don't want that to happen. So can you help coach me through that? And of course I said, absolutely, I'll see you tomorrow. And Andrew, what's been your experience with that kind of growth? Yeah, I mean, I would echo much of what Emily just described uh, so well. The, the one clear thing that you, you'll see in a, probably a sophomore, junior and senior, but certainly in a senior uh, classroom, you won't see really any need to remind them not to raise their hands, which <laughs> as they start in ninth graders, they always will raise their hands and then you have to remind them, no, just wait for the natural pause in the conversation listen to each other and find your space as necessary. That takes time, uh, but by the time they're seniors, they feel very comfortable with that, uh, knowing when to um, speak and when not to speak. Um, I think they develop really strong listening skills so that they are uh, building off of each other as seniors, uh, challenging for even more clarity, going back into the text in a much more, as sort of Emily described, natural, organic fashion. Um, and, and taking the lead um, within the discussion. They also develop in terms of varying the voices. Um, they're very aware of that. They um, get better at monitoring their talk time, asking each other questions to engage uh, other students. And that's something that um, uh, we work on all throughout those four years. And one of the most rewarding things to me is when you teach a student multiple years to see that student who maybe in ninth grade didn't really say much, didn't feel very confident saying much, didn't know what to say. And then you see them sophomore year. I actually just had a senior who I had a sophomore year. This I have her this year and she is just engaged and consistently offering really insightful comments. And as a sophomore, she just couldn't do that. And so you see that growth and confidence uh, in themselves and in and expressing their ideas. I mean, and fundamentally, as Emily just described, you're gonna hear a lot less of me between ninth grade and 12th grade. In ninth grade, you're gonna hear more of me. Uh, in 12th grade, you're gonna hear a lot less of me. Uh, and I have to be actively listening, you know, for a good 25, 30, 35 minutes, uh, and then knowing when to come in uh, with seniors. Whereas, as Emily described, ninth graders, I might be a little few more reminders, <laughs> more adjustments, <laughs> a few more applauses, and yeah. that away, good job. But uh, it's it's certainly fun to watch that grow. Well, and that's I think that's a good segue, Drew. And maybe Kate, you could speak to this. You guys, you mentioned the sort of learning curve that happens at the ninth grade. Um, what are some of the the tricks of the trade that you guys do to jumpstart conversation? I have to imagine, you know, fourteen year olds, fifteen year olds, Monday mornings are coming in sometimes a little <laughs> quiet. Hey. Or Thursday mornings. Thursday morning was rough too. <laughs> so what what do you guys do to really jumpstart that conversation A and then even B, like if there's a lull in conversation, how do you really keep it going? There are a lot of tricks of the trade. Definitely having students write on an intriguing question before we start talking is a good way um, for kids to rehearse maybe what they'd like to say. Um, also, talking with a partner is really key because you can hear the excitement in the room as they start to engage with the text and with each other, and that's definitely a warm-up for the table. Um, it's especially important for students who might be more introverted, too, that they need that practice and that feeling of confidence uh, before they maybe launch their voice at the roundtable. So we use different strategies. Um, sort of game-like scenarios or puzzles, um, sometimes to get the ninth graders rolling. Um, 
so the round table, it doesn't always, especially in ninth grade, doesn't just look like 35 minutes of a discussion. Um, there might be breaks along the way to do some more writing or reflecting. Um, it, takes, it takes some time for them to build that stamina to keep up a discussion for a long period of time. And, you know, it, we, we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge the challenging times we're in with the pandemic. Um, we're not, at, we're, you're physically not in a round table. How has COVID impacted the quote unquote round table experience in your classrooms? Um, Emily, uh, we'll have you answer that question. Thanks, Sly. Um, yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal in our English classrooms. The round table experience is at the heart of what we do with kids. And so I'm fortunate um, that, that this year my ninth grade classes are in a room with a round table. Unfortunately, given our need to social distance or to physical distance, if you will, not all of the students can be seated at the round table at the same time, but four of them can. And then the other students sit along the wall. They also have voices and opportunities and really the expectation that they participate in discussions, but they need to do so with more distance. And then down the road, seats will shift so that you know during the course of the year every ninth grader will have a chance to be at the table okay sometimes you know but but certainly the majority of their time won't be at an actual table but we have if you will sort of that really meaningful prop in the room to okay. remind them like this is upper school and this is what we do here whereas i'll, I'll just speak for myself um my ap lit class is in the choir room, uh, which has desks in rows. And so I'm trying hard and I keep asking for the students input so that we can try to recalibrate as we're experimenting together. But what I'm trying to do with that group of kids is remind them and tell them all the time, this is still a round table classroom. What we're doing here is still the round table even though we aren't seated in a circle and we don't have a table. <laughs> really the, the aim is the same in that we wanna to get to the same place in terms of the richness of our conversations and of our analysis. Um, we just right now have a different way of needing to get to the same end goal. Well, and along those same lines, Emily, and maybe this is for anyone really, and we've been asking a lot of our guests on this show that through this pandemic, there's definitely been a lot of lessons learned, um, I think, as adults, as kids, both professionally, personally, um, you know, other than definitely missing the table, which I'm sure you all are, what, what is something that you've learned throughout all of this, either about the resilience of your students, which seems to be a pretty common theme, or or maybe the the value the like I know you've always believed in the value of the round table, but maybe this has really reinforced it. Um, you know, being kind of in a more traditional setting. So I'll open it up. Anyone, go ahead. Um, what what are some lessons that you've learned throughout all this? I think I really um, 
appreciate so much now um, how important being live and being a community together and forming those bonds and um, with the students in the classroom and the students amongst themselves in the classroom is really essential. And I remind them every day, we are so lucky that we can be doing this um, because one of the core values and truths of the roundtable is only when you have this community that's built on trust and um, respect and having a great time with each other, only when you've built that, that community can you really do that strong academic work. Um, that's when people can take risks and that's when people can try out ideas they don't feel confident about. Um, and everybody in the room is right there with them at the table, helping them along. Um, so for me, because I am able to teach at that ninth grade roundtable, I just every day am uh, reminded how lucky we are to have those communities in the classroom at the roundtable. Drew, what about you? I, mean, I, would, I would say the same thing. I mean, uh, on top of the resilience of students, um, you know, something that really, um, when I first started teaching at the roundtable and, and started to, to get better at it and watch really good teachers like Emily and Kate and learn from them um, is that the, there's a humanity to it all. There's, if you're working with human beings and you really feel that that's palpable in our silences and our laughter and our off topic, on topic and the depth of our discussion and the uncomfortable moments of our discussions. Um, and so I'm finding that because we're, we're together in person uh, for the most part, that, that there's still some of that there that we can still look at each other and read body language and um, think about um, how people are reacting. And I can, I can be receptive to that as well. It's much more challenging, uh, especially in terms of not being able to see each other's faces because we're in rows. Uh, at least my classes are in rows and you have to crane necks and look around. And sometimes when the online people will chime in um, and they're getting more comfortable chiming in, I'm not sure who exactly is speaking because I can't recognize voices quite yet. Uh, so that's sort of interesting. But I, uh, again, I would say that I've really learned that, that um, you know, the kids appreciate these spaces and this time to really lean into difficult conversations. And they really appreciate their four years in the round table. As a matter of fact, uh, toward the end of last year, as we were uh, safer at home and, and, and teaching online, I interviewed a number of seniors who are now alums. I can't tell you how many of them spoke about how important those experiences were in all of their English classes, not just one, but in so many of their English classes. So, you know, um, it's really important to be in person as much as possible, obviously to stay safe, but it's really important to, to uh, have each other um, and as I said, I say from the beginning, English is a team sport. We're all working together to, to work through these things. And that's still, that's still present, even without the table. And Emily? Oh, I, I, everything, oh. <laughs> everything that Drew and Kate have said, you know, it resonates. It really does. Um, I, I don't know that I have much to add. I was just really taken by their commentary. And I'm, I'm taken by, I guess, just that feeling of being with a group of students and helping them and being right there with them, building something that matters. And a lot of times what we're building is that sense of community, that ability for kids to take risks, intellectual risks, affective risks, 
um, you know, trying trying out their ideas and and how it is that they come to their ideas. What what supports and substantiates the things that they think they know to be true. Um, it really is good work. It's the best kind of work. It's harder now during the pandemic than it was before. It's always been hard work though. And it, it's always been really meaningful for, for the kids and just for me as a teacher and as a person, I learn every day from my students and I love that. One thing real quick. I'm really looking forward. I can't wait for the moment when I when I get back at the round table with the students and um, you know, um, I you know, you sit at the table, so I have someone to the right of me and someone to the left of me, and I'm right next to them. And I always appreciate those moments as we're starting up or as we're winding down when I'm just sort of like leaning over and saying, like, so how did that go today? Or man, I noticed you wrote that down. What did you write down? That's so interesting. Or like nice game last night, or you all right, you good? You didn't say much, like those those moments, those intimate moments, and it's never the same, you never have the same person on your right and your left all year long, especially as they get older, at least in my classes. And I love those subtle 30 second, one minute interactions that just connect me to that student and that student to me. So um, I'm really looking forward to getting back to that. Yeah. Well, and, and I think someone as from someone that doesn't have a lot of experience with the round table, the thing that really strikes me um, just kind of from an outsider's perspective is, you know, in education, and I know you guys are hustling back to the classroom here, so I'll keep it brief, but, you know, in education, we always get the, the question, like when I was teaching in the classroom, of why does this matter? Um, or is this gonna matter when I'm, you know, older? It seems like the round table is, is absolutely timeless in the skills that you guys are, are teaching and they're real world skills. So it's communicating, it's listening. Um, and honestly, they're probably more imperative now than, than ever before. So I, I, kudos to you guys, because I think this is something that no matter how you slice and dice it, it's going to impact these students in whatever field, in whatever path they take post USM. So. Um, I've appreciated hearing you guys learn about it. I've enjoyed learning about it myself. Um, and we know you have another block of teaching here. So, um, you know, we really appreciate your guys' time today. And, and thank you so much for sharing your insight and expertise. Thanks thank for you. having us. <laughs> you guys are welcome anytime. Just make sure you bring the right book. <laughs> <laughs> and do the reading. Do the reading. And do the reading. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Special shout out to the English department for joining us today. A Curious Mind is brought to you by University School of Milwaukee. If you want to learn more about the USM experience, please visit our website at www.usmk12.org. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast to receive updates, resources, interviews, and much more. And please be sure to rate us. See you next time.